Hey loves, I'm excited to bring you today's show as I'm talking to Anya Hayes, who is, amongst many other things, author of the fantastic book The Supermum Myth. Anya and I dig into so many great topics such as mum guilt, perfectionism, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, the list goes on. But here's what's interesting. Anya helps women with postnatal health and well-being, and I help women to create success on their terms. On the surface, our work might not sound like it has a ton in common, but what struck me most from our conversation was just how pervasive these themes are for us as mothers and business owners. And I was reminded once again of how important it is for us to take a holistic view of our lives and businesses because they do all blend together. And when we commit to taking care of our health and well-being, whether mentally, physically or both, that can have a beautiful impact across our lives, not just in the one area we might have intended. So let's do this. Let's dig into mum guilt, perfectionism, imposter syndrome and more. Let's let go of these things that aren't serving us and choose a new, more supportive narrative. Let's go to the show. You're listening to the Limitless Mother podcast, bringing you strategy, mindset and a dash of woo. If you want to learn how you can balance motherhood money-making beautifully, if you want to learn the strategy, mindset, and manifestation tips you need to do more of what lights you up, attract more ideal clients, make more money, and enjoy more time freedom, if you want to create this vision of success because you are a mother, not in spite of it, then you are in the right place, my love. I'm your host, success coach, business mentor, mother, and tea drinker, Corey Javid. So join me while we explore what's possible for us as mothers and business owners when we remove the limits. Hello, hello, Limitless Mothers. Welcome back to the show. Joining me on today's show is Anya Hayes. Anya is a Pilates instructor, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy teacher and author specializing in pre- and postnatal health and wellness. Anya is on a mission to empower women with the tools to navigate through the motherhood labyrinth with pelvic floor and sanity intact. She's the co-author of the Supermum Myth book, Overcome Anxiety, Ditch Guilt and Embrace Imperfection. Her new book, Pilates for Pregnancy, is out now, and Postnatal Pilates publishes with Bloomsbury next year. So, I reached out to Anya, asking her to be a guest on the show, when I was just a few pages into her book, The Supermum Myth. There's so much gold in there that that can help any and all mums, but also so much of it translates into the mother business owner and the struggles that we have. So I'm excited that she's joining us today so we can dig into these unique challenges that face us as mothers. Welcome to the show, Anya. Thanks for having me. Lovely to be here. Excellent. So before we start digging into some of those topics, I'd love to find out a bit more about you. You seem to be like a wonderful embodiment of that multi-hyphen method that's become so kind of popular (laughs) of late. And you have so many facets to what you do. So as I mentioned there, you are a Pilates instructor, an MBCT teacher and an author. I'd love to know how you came to be in the position of having all those strings to your bow. Well, yeah, I was multi-hyphenate before it was cool. Before it was cool, I love that. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely uh, sort of one of those, uh, whenever everyone, anyone asked me what I did, mm-hmm. I would get soon sort of this slightly blank face of uh, not really understanding. Um, <laughs> so, I, so yeah, but now I can say I have a portfolio career and it's very cool. Uh, <laughs> necessarily intentional. So I was, um, I used to work in book publishing. I was, oh. my proper job, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. was, I was a managing editor working in book publishing, which I really enjoyed. I loved, I loved it. I was good at it. It was sort of was a very, it suits my personality to be organizing stuff and getting things bobbing along and sort Mm -hmm. of managing people and words. And I love books, as you can probably imagine. (laughs) I am a writer. It all makes sense. Yes. Uh, And, but I, so it was about 14 years ago. Um, one of my best friends died and she died oh. suddenly and um, in an accident and it was all very shocking. And I realised, as often happens, when you have that sort of life grenade that's lobbed into your life that sort mm. of takes a machete to everything, um, I just realised I wasn't... Zoe, my friend Zoe was one of the only friends I had who was doing what she really loved. She had gone back oh, to wow. um, college. She'd given up. She was working in a corporate job. We were about 25 at the time. She'd gone back to this, um, decided to go back to art college and study theatre design. And she had just graduated when she when she died. And it was one of those, 
wow, she had actually taken a real leap of, do you know what? I'm not that happy doing this, mm. just follow it, towing the line, getting a job, doing what everyone should do in their 20s, living mm. in London. And she'd actually taken quite a brave leap to go back to college and do something because she was a real kind of heart centre to it. And it made me realise that actually, although I did enjoy my job and I was perfectly good at it, it wasn't something that necessarily sparked my soul. Mm, um, didn't light you up. <laughs> yeah. And and I just realised that something that I loved was Pilates and movement generally. And, mm-hmm. and I used a lot of movement-based, looking back, therapy to go get through my bereavement for the grieving process. Mm. And I just had this sort of slight epiphany that well, maybe if this is where I feel most alive, this is where I should look to be pursuing my life, you know? Yeah. Um, so I started training as a Pilates teacher, not really with any firm goal, probably just in a kind of, I know I have to do it and then I'll sort it out at some point as to how it's actually going to happen. <laughs> but then serendipitously, as often is the case in life, I was made redundant. Oh, there's the universe again, <laughs> the big exactly. old elbow. <laughs> um, because I had been kind of juggling working full-time and training is just really hard mm. and I was thinking how am I how are you supposed to do this like how is there supposed to be enough time to facilitate this and it was about a year later it wasn't immediately but I was made redundant and I just thought right okay that's my burning platform I kind of have to do this now yeah. I have to rather than just saying to everyone I'm training to be a Pilates teacher <laughs> actually go it's, it's okay, real now <laughs> maybe be a Pilates teacher um so yeah, and then, so I continued, I again, serendipity, I got, um, I happened to be offered a part-time role, editorial role, working for lifestyle, well-being books um, at Pam Macmillan with an mm-hmm. amazing editor called Liz Goff, who now is the director of Yellow Kite, which is a well-being wellness um, mm-hmm. imprint for Hodder. Um, lots of very sort of high-profile books that she does now. And I was working on her list two days a week and training and then subsequently teaching Pilates three days a week, which for me was like this perfect, if there is a perfect balance, that that was it. You know, I was like, it was brilliant. I loved it. And then, and then I had children. (laughs) And (laughs) And everything changes again. (laughs) And everything changed. And because the editorial role was a freelance one, Mm. um, it wasn't a permanent part-time position. I didn't have that to go back to and inevitably as often happens when you're freelance and you can't commit to going back at any you know mm. definite time frame I didn't have that to go back to so it's been a really interesting you know steep learning curve cobbling together work around babies when you don't have that permanent role yeah as an anchor yes um so it's been hard at times, but so I went, um, so I've been working, doing lots of freelance editorial and it's from the freelance editorial that I then was uh, commissioned to write a book about pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, so the writing came in a little bit earlier, actually, when I was pregnant with Morris, I had, I was approached because I had been a Pilates model for a book about, oh, yeah. about 10 years ago, actually. And I turned up for this photo shoot and normally when you're working on well-being books and, and exercise books, everything is written and the models come in and they there's a set thing that they have mm-hmm. to do. So I was expecting that. And I turned up at this shoot and the person coordinating the shoot said, so do you know anything about Pilates for osteoporosis and for postnatal and for pregnancy? And I was like, I do, but what do you mean? And so I had to just pluck out of the air some good exercises to do and then model for this book and then shortly after the shoot you know they said you know those exercises you did can you can you write them up for us as well (laughs) okay so I ended up writing these three segments of this book which um which was great but um I was then a few I guess it was yeah about a year later I was approached by the the editor who'd worked on that book and they said would you like to write a whole book about Pilates so I was like in that freelance frame of mind where inside I was like no way how could I can never write a book what are you talking about that's ridiculous <laughs> I went yeah that'd be great I can do that <laughs> so just figure it out after exactly yeah. just say yes and it'll yes. all kind of work work itself out so I was commissioned to write this book and I was early pregnant with Morris so it was kind of a, a non-negotiable deadline for me that mm. <laughs> I sort of had to have this whole done all done before having him and so is Morris your second so Morris is my first. Oh, your first. So yeah, so that book came out in 2012, and it's interesting because I wouldn't then have. Even, I found it very maybe imposter syndrome for me, but I found it very difficult to 
say to anyone I've written a book you know it, Ooh, it, it seemed more it seemed bigger and more impressive than it felt like I was <laughs> if you see what I mean when you say yeah. I've written a book it's like people go wow that's amazing whereas I didn't didn't feel, feel like you could like really I'm... own that achievement yeah yeah mm. so I didn't um and then when I so I had Morris and then when I was when Morris was about eight months old I was then approached by DK Dorling Kindersley to write another Pilates book based on the previous one that they mm-hmm. had seen at book and again I wrote this <laughs> well we can talk I'm sure we'll talk about this a bit later but I wrote this from the period of where Morris was eight months to a year and he wasn't sleeping oh, wow. at oh, all and I, I occasionally look at this book with with wonder and awe that there are any words on the page because <laughs> I'm like how did my brain actually work when I had a baby who didn't sleep and what's interesting is that I had written two books but mm. I still wouldn't have said to anyone that I was an author wow still at that point yeah well yeah and it's it's very interesting isn't it I, I was very sheepish about it or I didn't and it, you know they weren't high profile books mm. um and there wasn't a lots of song and dance about them so maybe that ha- is part of it too but so I was still working free a lot of freelance editing and teaching on the side I guess mm-hmm. I saw the teaching as my sideline and interestingly as well talking about multi-hyphenate how the landscape has changed because it hasn't changed that much I guess but when you're freelance I think often you're treated by lots of people around you as if you're kind of just bobbing along doing a, a, a hobby yes. and often um you know I found certainly that maybe it's sort of you know it's the sensitivity to it as well but mm. I did find that a lot of people were like oh how's the Pilates going or how's the yoga going <laughs> it would often be how's the yoga going I would teach Pilates you know so I found I probably diminished that part of my mm. career quite a lot I didn't see it as as being particularly legitimate or you know lots of mm. uh, imposter syndrome type feelings I placed on my own career success in inverted commas yeah um, and then when I was doing some freelance work for a um for a particular publisher and she approached me and asked if I'd write a pregnancy book and that was when my second was about I guess well, he was quite little, so he must have been about two months old. And she asked me if, if oh, I was interested in writing another book. And actually, it was a, an update of a book, so it wasn't um, completely from scratch. I think if it had mm-hmm. been, I would have had to say no because there's nowhere I would have had the brain space to actually begin a new book venture um, yeah. with a tiny baby. That would have been crazy, arguably slightly crazy <laughs> anyway. But <laughs> so I wrote the pregnancy book when Freddie was sort of three months to six months old, I guess. And uh, that came out and then off the, the same publisher, because I was working a lot, I guess when you, certainly with Pilates, it's so uniquely suited to pregnancy and postnatal mm. in terms of physical and emotional healing. And yes. it's, um, I think before I had a baby myself, I saw Pilates and I treated Pilates as very much a body conditioning program. So mm-hmm make you lean and Mm -hmm. and strong and give you stamina and make you slender but I didn't see it in terms of its really powerful body mind Mm -hmm. of healing potential already going into quite woo-woo territory there (laughs) I definitely (laughs) see Pilates as being for me it put me back together again after a traumatic birth first time round so physically and uh, mentally exactly yeah very very much so and I found that my client base was following that so I realized that I was kind of attracting the kind of clients who were going through very similar things so Mm -hmm. mums who had you know had their babies and not necessarily suffering from postnatal depression but that kind of postnatal depletion that comes with physically feeling slightly under par and not really knowing what you can do because there's Mm -hmm. not there wasn't certainly five years ago seven years ago there wasn't much information out there for mums in terms of how to you know bring build yourself back up so I started building this client base of mums and then I began working with a, a local hypnobirthing practitioner. We started running mother's wellness evenings, which involved Pilates for, for your body, mm-hmm. life coaching, NLP related, neurolinguistic programming related activities, but mm-hmm. just sort of seeing where you are right now, seeing where your emotional landscape is and how you're feeling, checking in with yourself in a way that mums just don't ever give ourselves the time to do. Yes. And it was just, I found it really, just really revealing how in a room full of 18, 20 women who were all on the surface, hugely capable, 
super mum material I I admired and envied a lot of them in various different ways from you know how they looked and how they calm they seemed and how mm. organized and together every single one of those women on women on each um, occasion would either find out something about herself or reveal in a very sort of it was a very safe space to talk about motherhood and they would say yeah I look back on my early motherhood experience and realize that I was probably on the depression spectrum or mm. I was crippled with self-doubt or my mm. inner critic was having a field day and it just made me think wow that you know these women I would never in a million years have thought mm. would be suffering from these things you know and you realize how common it is and how how female it is to sort of just keep calm and carry on carry on and yeah and to almost feel like I guess like we have to put on some front of having yeah. it all together and being exactly. okay I'm fine I'm yeah. fine kind of thing I'm fine syndrome exactly yeah yeah um, and so it was off the back of that that I put together a proposal for uh, initially for anxiety and motherhood mm-hmm. because it seemed to be such a prevalent topic that came up along with guilt that people were just yes. why am I so anxious and and that then put, got together with Dr Rachel who's the clinical psychologist who co-authored the book with me and we kind of initially it was going to be a CBT cognitive behavioral therapy based structured therapy approach mm-hmm. But then actually talk, in talking to a lot of the women I interviewed and generally, like I found CBT life-changing in, in just in the fact that I don't think I'd ever noticed my internal dialogue before. Yes. <laughs> I'd never noticed how, how self-critical I was. I'd never tuned into just how much I berated myself. Mm. And so for me, it was hugely life-changing just learning those tools. But speaking to a lot of women, they didn't. They felt that sometimes it didn't resonate enough for them. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go for a multi-therapy approach. So there's a lot of different therapies, from narrative therapy through to EMDR, which is eye movement desensitizing and reprocessing therapy, oh, wow. which is a the current uh, nice recommended therapy for trauma. So it's oh. a, um, when trauma builds up in the body, it's almost a physical therapy as opposed to well, it's, mm-hmm. it is a physical therapy as opposed to talking. And so it was off the bat. So my, so Rachel didn't really know very much about mindfulness, and she would she was interested in it. But she said to me, "I can provide all of the the therapy based knowledge for the book, but mm-hmm. actually, I want to leave to you the mindfulness stuff because I don't really know about that." And and she was like, "And you're the expert," and I was like, "I'm not an expert. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, what? what are you talking about?" And it made me realise that actually, I maybe am. I mean, that is maybe where my sort of heart lies again yeah. there but you know is that difficult to say yes I am an expert <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly I found the word expert kind of stuck in my throat a bit but so it was re- reading researching learning a lot more a lot more mm. about mindfulness through writing the book that then made me see how powerful it can be as a therapy just for your day-to-day so yeah. and that made me and now so in the in the last couple of years, MBCT, so mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, is now the recommended therapy for anxiety and depression. So oh. if you if you're someone who suffers from recurrent episodes of depression mm-hmm. or pervasive anxiety, general anxiety disorder, or other anxiety um, issues, you will be recommended to have a course of MBCT, maybe above uh, medication initially, or certainly it's sort of alongside sitting alongside the cbt approach but mbct takes you into your body a little bit more into the into breathing and meditation and mm-hmm. there's that word people don't like the meditation word um, oh it's okay i'm sure the listeners on this show do <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so i just was really interested in it and i realized that a lot of the way that i teach pilates is comes from that point of view anyway mm. so that's mm-hmm. already within my kind of you know vocabulary of the way I teach so I thought well I'd quite like to take it on board slightly more officially or with with some more robust I guess you know qualification it's one of those things you feel like if you suffer from imposter syndrome you need to arm yourself with with like you actually know this (laughs) I I have this conversation with so many people with so many um, clients so often will say oh what I really want to be doing is this so what I thought is I'm going to go and get a qualification and I'm always like let's just slow down for a second 
Do you really need that qualification? Are you actually, in fact, already qualified? You know? yeah. And is that qualification just that validation piece that you're looking for? Or is it something actually you genuinely really want to pursue and it just feels really great? Yeah. But if it's just the validation piece, then let's just put that to one side. Yeah. yeah. Act as if you are the expert and you will. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I think for me, delving deeply into MBCTT was really important because I think I did have quite um a surface area understanding of what mindfulness is which Mm -hmm. I think most people do because it's a word that's bandied around quite a lot you know mindfulness Mm. self-care you know it's all words that we hear a lot but yeah for sure it's hard to incorporate into your life unless you understand a bit more and so so yeah it's been fascinating I now I don't teach MBCT courses um as a an eight-week course which is the way that it would be if you were referred by GP for Mm -hmm. for counselling or for more treatment for depression I teach MBCT within my workshops of the body mind side of things so I do workshops which incorporate Pilates techniques alongside meditations and also just the sort of CBT side of MBCT so to to explain what MBCT is to anyone who doesn't who hasn't heard of it it's taking from mindfulness-based stress stress reduction which is a which was a a course which was designed sort of about 30 years ago mm-hmm. which has just been so revolutionary in terms of allowing people to kind of notice their own stress levels and I've been on one of those oh have you okay yeah, well, back in the corporate days yeah yeah well I mean it's amazing but God, it was every, really amazing yeah, actually yeah everyone you know who works in that kind of environment should do an MBSR course that's just incredible tools for your yeah. day-to-day and so MBCT takes MBSR and marries it with CBT so the cognitive, you know, the kind of internal dialogue, noticing your, yeah. noticing your inner critic, noticing what you're saying to yourself and the beliefs that you have created around that just dialogue that you are listening to, like a kind of constant radio that's saying, you're a bit rubbish. You, know? yeah, you <laughs> can't do like, it. You don't deserve it. All that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And just, but then also taking it beyond that to notice the physical sensations of that and noticing mm-hmm. how it manifests in your body. So whether that also is creating a physical fight or flight response in your body, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you're not ever releasing because you're constantly listening to that internal yeah. dialogue. So it's powerful. It's so powerful for mums because, you know, we don't have time. We don't think we have any time. Mm-hmm. And to just have these on board as just breathing techniques or, yeah. you know, mini micro meditations that you can do when your baby's sitting on your head. And like yes. try, trying to, I try to build MBC, take MBCT into a very easy to slot into your everyday rather than something else that you have to do because I think as mums we never want something else yeah (laughs) I love that I love that so much because I'm a massive advocate of any kind of mindset related work and obviously one of the aspects of any mindset work is noticing that negative self-talk those limiting beliefs anything like that that's going on but it's something that I'm keen to dispel as a myth. And I'm glad that you've touched on that there and that you're actually looking to provide ways of doing this specifically is that this feeling that, oh, well, if I want to do mindset work or if I want to meditate or if I want to do any of these things, I need like two hours and I need to do an hour of journaling first, then an hour of meditation (laughs) and then an hour of yoga. Who has time for that? You know, Um, my gong and my incense. Yeah, I need to sage the room first. And, And really, actually, there are small things. And I love that, that you're providing women with those sort of small tools that you can just integrate into actual everyday life in a really realistic way for mums who are feeling time poor that's really wonderful I'd love us to talk about a couple of the elements from your book the supermum myth I'm going to put a link for it into the show notes so that listeners can get their hands on a copy because it's full of so many great tips and advice there oh thank you I'd love us to talk about embracing imperfection. Um, Why do you think it is that as mothers, we seem to be striving for this kind of super mum, unrealistic, perfect mum persona? You know, you were talking about those women in that course that you were running or that group, and they were on the front of things looking great, but actually underneath it weren't doing so well. Where do you think that comes from, that need to put on this super mum front? It's a really interesting one, isn't it? I think it's... It's the last sort of 30 years, society seems to have created this powerful need for women to be all things to all people and to be not 
only gold standard mums but also gold standard careers and amazing friends and brilliant partners and also cook everything scratch and organically um and I think that's absolutely what we're battling against without even realizing it so I don't think we even you know I don't think anyone necessarily goes into motherhood wanting to be perfect but I think there is this I'm gonna such a great mum you know we have this image of what is a perfect mum and even don't articulate it to ourselves. you can never achieve that standard so we're always sort of we're going to feel like a failure if we haven't somehow embodied what we think is this perfection but the perfection isn't is completely it's a myth yeah. <laughs> this, this perfection is just simply unattainable because you cannot be 100% perfect mum whatever that means we'll talk about that I guess in a sec but also give everything to your career give everything to your partner give everything to you know your friends your friendship base your internal um work without something being compromised along the way unless mm. we somehow accept that there is no perfect yeah. and I think the trouble is we've sort of fed these who from I don't know but it's the societal acceptance of what is a good mum is just so um so unrealistic you know and we we judge really harshly if you don't live up to perfect standards and I think we all necessarily become quite judgmental when we become mums because it's the first time ever in your life probably that your you know your opinions are really matter you know because yes. you're now you're, you're now raising a human being into the world and actually suddenly you do feel quite strongly about stuff but I think it means that you kind of also look at other people and judge them by your expectations without realizing that your expectations on yourself are just harsh and mm. just very challenging to live up to. So, I mean, I think that in terms of the why we all try and strive to live under this sort of facade is because opening up to being vulnerable is something that we're not really encouraged to do in a non-princess way so as as mm-hmm. as girls you know there is that encouragement do you need someone to save you and rescue you but yes. I think we we're not encouraged to be vulnerable in a, in a purposeful way so actually kind of asking for help without yes. it being an admission of failure or admitting of admittance of weak weakness asking for support asking for for caring and nurturing is something that seems mm-hmm. just not encouraged as for mums and I yeah. think as a result we're all trying to operate solely and exclusively as the only person who can be the person who organizes everything in your household who can do the best Mm -hmm. job who is trustworthy Mm -hmm. I mean this leads us to sort of not even being able to sort of rely on our partners at all because we undermine their ability to do stuff which is one of those kind of damaging effects of feminism that we have taken on everything that men can do but then everything that women we haven't relinquished well. anything <laughs> in the process yeah exactly so it's that sense of you know just allowing yourself it's kind of it's so multi-layered isn't it but I think you know perfectionism, perfectionism is often a sign of just feeling like mm. you're not good enough and therefore having to have a show of being more than mm. good enough and perfect and it just means constantly scrambling to do everything to standards which no one else is holding you up to except yeah. for yourself really I mean unless you've got mother-in-law who says things help Um, but I think that's the problem isn't it as mums we're so open to other people's judgments Mm -hmm. you know people talking about what we're doing in terms of our baby's sleep and the feeding and where there's you know what they're doing for food in terms of after they've whether whether being breast or or boobed uh, breast or boobed or or, uh, bottled but then beyond that how you're weaning everything you do every choice you make when you go back to work what childcare you, you work, choose yeah. is, is how much you work. Everything is under such scrutiny from everyone. So that's, you know, yes, we feel very conscious of our own decisions, but we also feel sometimes like you can't win mm. because any decision you make is going to be criticised from some angle. Yeah. So I always tell, certainly, you know, the new mums that I have, I have a sort of coaching Welcome to Motherhood programme, which, um, you know, often initially in those initial weeks and months, it's all about the feeding and the mm-hmm. sleeping. And you often get bombarded with opinions from your mother-in-law or your in-laws or your parents about, well, in my day, we just did this. And, you know, and it's such a, course of ang- a, a source of anxiety when you feel like you're not doing the right mm-hmm. thing and you're doing it wrong. And we can always, you know, in those first months, it's such a visceral sense of 
my whole life has been turned upside down in wonderful ways, but also in slightly yeah. terrifying ways. And you don't trust, you don't feel like necessarily you have an instinct oh to trust. Yeah. So when we're already doubting how good we are at stuff, you know, whether that's career or, you know, baking or anything, when you throw motherhood into the mix, you suddenly think, oh my God, I'm the worst person mm-hmm. ever. And that can manifest itself. Therefore, that fear of that lack of perfection yeah. manifests itself in just severe self-doubt, but also a way of having to look like you're coping because so that and, no one and not ask knows for that help. you're not. Yeah. And exactly. And I, sort of, I often say to my new mums, I think if nothing else, you need to be able to detach yourself from other people's mm. opinions so that you don't layer on, have that multi-layered feeling of not good enough. Because if you are already saying to yourself you're not good enough, you're then taking on board, yeah. you know, all of the other opinions which are, seem to you to be verifying the fact that you're not good enough. And we need to be able to sort of dim and silence. We can't silence it often, but just, you know, detach from, from the emotional power of other, other people's mm. judgments. And it's really hard and it takes conscious effort, but it's something that is so worth doing yes. because this perfectionism isn't serving anyone because, you know, what are you showing your Absolutely. children as well? We're showing our children that you have to, constantly struggle to put forward a life which is really making you and that you strong. can't ask for help we wouldn't want our children to feel that they can't ask for help and yet we're showing them that kind of behavior exactly. and I think it's really interesting because yeah. everything that you just talked about there then can also feed into similar sorts of feelings when you're a business owner I think when you're a mother and a business owner then you have the kind of added pressure um, to feel like you need to be doing it all yourself And then if you've, you know, in motherhood been feeling like you can't ask for help, I see that that translates so often for women into business, feeling like they have to run their business totally alone and can't ask for support, can't ask for support at home because they're running their business, you know, or can't pay for support because they're, that's that worthiness piece creeping in or don't trust their instincts in business because they're, that trust in their instinct was lost at the beginning of of motherhood, you know? So I find it so interesting that actually the two go um, hand in hand, motherhood and business, in so many different ways. And this is one of the more unfortunate ways if we're not kind of doing things to look after ourselves and protect ourselves from those kind of negative impacts of taking on board too much what other people think and letting the self-doubt get out of control. So I'd love if you have any advice, any starting points for any listeners who are feeling that same feeling of needing to put it on this front of perfectionism or have feeling that self-doubt do you have some kind of steps that they can take or some advice to get started the first thing that is a really lovely activity to do which I definitely do all the time is the um I am amazing activity (laughs) um, because keeping a compliment log Mm -hmm. so writing down nice things that people have said Mm -hmm. about you even if it was from like years ago, like just sort of free writing 10 minutes of I am amazing. And it feels really Mm. unusual to do because it goes against all of the things we've ever been taught about how it's not okay to be arrogant and blow your own trumpet. So I know that's even worse for us. (laughs) I mean, it's a female cultural thing that we're really kind of sitting under this kind of, you can't, you can't, you have to hide your Mm -hmm. light under a bushel. bushel. You have to, you have to. And we're so, it feels so wrong not to do that. But when you can unlock just a sense of, actually, do you know what? I'm all right. I'm not that bad, yeah. actually. Even if it's that rather than I'm amazing, that's the start. So for me, I always say, um, you know, write down. it Whenever someone, anyone says any, anything nice about you, or don't bat it off and deflect it. Write it mm-hmm. down. You know, actually take that night. Go, someone said that, you know, I was very calm under pressure or whatever it is for you that resonates and makes you feel like, actually, that was a quite mm-hmm. a win for me that I didn't freak out because my, you know, three-year-old had a tantrum in the supermarket and that kind of thing. Anything that someone picks out, write it down. And just also, again, it goes into sort of slightly bendy territory, woo-woo territory, but gratitude mm. is yes. everything. And I think because, you know, it's one of those, the mindset of not good enough comes with always looking to what you're not achieving, Mm -hmm. what you think you are not doing. And along with that comes a sense of not appreciating what you have at all without thinking about it. It's not being, you know, I think we all, we're all encouraged to strive 
in a really positive way but I think that unfortunately that doesn't allow any sense of acknowledging what you have been striving for. I heard someone explain it really nicely as you know if you're always looking at the gap between where you are now and where you want to be not the gain between where you are now and where you used to be then you're never happy you're never satisfied you know. Mm. Exactly and that's it you know life is moving we're always going to be looking to the next thing but at some point you have to acknowledge yeah. where meet yourself where you are now and and kind of appreciate that because I think also we kind of put the future on some mm. pedestal and we think well when I'm calmer when I'm having enough sleep when I've lost three pounds yeah. when I all these things when I'm doing this then it'll be this then, then I'll, I'll be feel great more yeah. Then, yeah then I'll be more it's actually the other way around and isn't actually, it yeah yeah you have to be it to feel it you have to kind of almost sort of just suck it and see sort of think what would it feel like if I actually said yes I am an expert yeah. or you know or look and go wow do you know what I am so grateful that I'm able to do this job or mm. I'm so grateful that I was able to work you know in my to my own terms and I can set my own hours or whatever it is that you take for granted because it's something that you just don't notice day to day gratitude is one of those things that actually just allows you to kind of see the things that even the really, really simple things, you know, things that you that you don't realise until you see someone who doesn't have yeah. them, maybe, or, you know, like, things like, for example, I, you know, I realise I'm really, gr- I get really grumpy at having to do the school run, <laughs> like I have to do it every day. And then you realise, actually, get I get to do, to do the school yeah. run every day. And it's one of those, like, you know, I don't, it's only that one of my son's friends, her, his mum works full time, really long hours. She works a very high, high, uh, you know, corporate job, but she never does the school run. And it's really interesting because the last time I saw her, she was like, I just you know, feel mm. awful because I don't pick him up and I don't go to assemblies and stuff. And I was like, wow, those are the things I probably go on. Oh, bloody hell, I've got, another, <laughs> got, to, got to go to another class <laughs> assembly. And actually just reframing those things that you maybe don't see as a positive and realising how lucky you are or not how you know again it's not kind of a self-flagellation thing it's something just to notice and and level just shift that perspective actually I get to do this yeah yeah Yeah. I love that yeah that's really powerful and really actually easy to implement tip again it's not something that requires like an hour of time or something it's something we can just in that moment catch ourselves thinking that oh I have to do this and actually no wait I get to do it and actually pretty lucky yeah and I think that's the thing, isn't it? That noticing is the first step Always, for the yeah. most the most powerfully difficult step because actually once you've noticed something, the impetus there, you kind of have to act on changing. Mm-hmm. And changing is really mm-hmm. challenging. And humans, we are hardwired to want to do the safe option yep. to keep ourselves yep. safe. Even if your comfort zone is not very comfortable, yep. your brain naturally wants to keep you there because it's safe mm-hmm. for you. And it's worth knowing that, you know, Yes, any kind of, I think when we, when we embark on a kind of self-help, self-care kind of new activity, because it's hard, we think, well, I can't yeah. do it then. It's not working for me. I can't do it. And actually, if you think about it more in terms of, if you think of the trails through tall grass that have been grooved for years and years, those natural field, you know, paths mm-hmm. are there. That's your thought process yeah. path. It involves walking through that tall grass and forging a new path in order to create sort of more helpful thinking patterns mm-hmm. and more helpful strategies for just being a little bit more present and a bit more I'm not going to say happy because I think this word happy is a misnomer because life is is multi-faceted multi-layered we have to mm-hmm. experience the lows and the highs but more content day to day and knowing that because you have to make that new groove by pushing through the the yeah. tall grass it's going to be hard it's going to be a challenge and for but it'll me easier every time right a little exactly. bit and once you've got the path there then your body your you know your your brain goes okay hang on that's the easy path and it becomes mm. built into your natural strategies and I think that's the hard thing that people can't imagine when you start to talk about trying to retune your your kind of thought process or retune the way that you see your life it feels so mm. challenging and difficult yeah. that it, it's easier not yeah. to do it but when you're self-sabotaging because you're buying you're into it then feeling, yeah. feeling uncomfortable asking for help and that it's weakness or when actually you know look at it as, as as you say earlier you know 
if your toddler was asking for help, you wouldn't go, no, I think you need to do this on your own. Well, maybe you would sometimes. <laughs> but like, no, when it's okay to say, do you know what, I'm going to help you because you need help. And that it's, a, that, it's, that it's powerful that your toddler knows that they should mm. and can ask for help at the right time. And I think we just don't, we see vulnerability as a really scary, bad thing. And it's, I think we need to embrace yeah. that sense of good enough. Yeah. And I am more than enough. Yeah. I'm enough as I am. I don't need to be better or more than I am I need to you know just live my life and kind of appreciate yeah. it and then and I was I would say to my clients we need to get better at just taking imperfect action just so that we're moving forward and then we're not keeping ourselves stuck yeah. because we're so fearful of doing something in case we get it wrong or we fail or whatever not kind yeah. of beating ourselves up ahead of even something actually happening <laughs> Yeah. One thing, one of the lines I absolutely love from your book is that you say, guilt is a ubiquitous hashtag in our mum lives. And that's so true. That's something that comes up so frequently in my conversations with my clients. So it's a topic that I bring up on the show and in my live streams regularly. I'd love your yeah. take on mum guilt and the kind of root of it, because it's not something we see banded about for dads, is it? We don't see dad guilt. No. Why is it not a thing no. for them and it is for us? And I wonder, I wonder in the next 20 years, hopefully it's not going to take quite that long, but with more dads taking up shared mm. parental leave and it being slightly more societally acceptable that a dad might see that as something valuable to do with their life, whether that will also come along with there being more accepted dad mm-hmm. guilt ideas. Um, but yeah, the mum guilt, I mean, again, it's this pressure to be all things to mm-hmm. all people. I think it's a double-layered thing, though, that starts with you, that starts with... I think we sometimes choose guilt because it's mm. habit. We choose to have this internal questioning of whether we're doing the right thing. We naturally, as women, are you know embracing the amazing power of women in a feminist way. We are just very in tune with what other people yeah. need all yeah. the time. And so when you're so hyper-aware of what other people need from you, the idea of putting yourself first, in inverted mm. commas, it just feels really yeah. uncomfortable and it feels like it's not something that's valuable and it shouldn't be prioritized because you should be is that mm-hmm. should word you should be doing more you should be doing differently you should be should be should be and the guilt thing what I always try and sort of put forward to people is that imagine some guilt can be the sort of essence true guilt is when you know that you are doing something that goes against your mm, core values. You're like moral you know code. And, yeah. Wrong. Exactly. Your moral code. You're doing something that's really overturning mm. that in a very profound way and that you need to make amends mm-hmm. for. So true proper guilt, you know that you need to make yeah. up for it. Whereas mum guilt is like this kind of white noise radio that we have on constantly that's just going you're not doing the right thing you're not doing enough you're not doing and it's like a sort of big heavy coat that we're wearing all the time without thinking I could actually take this heavy coat off and hang it up because it's serving me when I so I always with the guilt thing you sort of look to how purposeful your guilt is is it suggesting that you need to change something or is it simply whining about stuff without any action (laughs) is it just telling you to do the wrong thing but allowing you any space for thinking, okay, well, what can I do to make amends? If this is true Mm. guilt, what can I do to overturn it? So for example, one of the most, you know, powerfully emotional experiences for mums, working mums is leaving your child Mm -hmm. in childcare or after school club. If they're unhappy and they're making you feel Mm -hmm. guilty, or if you are feeling guilty for that, just write a list, literally writing a list of you know, why is this, why am I feeling guilty? Mm. What exactly? Look at the specifics of it. If it's my son cries when I drop him off. Okay. How can I look to the good as well and sort of say, what does he get out of after school Mm. club or what does he get out of his childcare scenario? Is it that he is happy when you're Mm. not there? Is it that, you know, are you able to, with the time that you have with him in childcare, are you doing something which is so valuable that actually you feel like that outweighs Mm the feeling of loss and and sadness when your child is crying and if not if there is no balance if you're leaving them crying and they're exa- they're you know feeling awful and they remain awful all day and you're hating what you're going off to leave them to do maybe there's something there that actually yeah. is a trigger you need to look at the balance and actually reassess but if not and if you're really enjoying the work you're doing if your child is generally happy 
all the if the you know if the if the purposeful good of that source of guilt is ultimately mm. there shake off yeah. the guilt I think, you know try and turn it around and say this is okay yeah. this is enough I do not need guilt I don't need yeah. you right now and, you know and a, and a sort of example from my own experience for that is when I was writing the Supermom mm. myths or was to challenge to challenge all of this I um Freddie was just under two and I found a child minder as often the way when your second comes along your childcare options tend to fit in with yeah. your first line a bit more so it's more logistical rather than sort of yes this is the best child minder I've ever found and it's more like well how can I do that and yeah. the school run so the child minder I found was right next to Freddie uh, Morris's school and it was just it was convenient it was a convenience and I needed two days a week to write the book for, the, for, for six months and he hated it he really Freddie he never oh. settled so every every time we dropped every single time I dropped him off he was oh. distraught it was yeah. awful and even from the moment we walked past Morris's school to go up to the church he would just be absolutely distraught and it it absolutely tore me apart but I knew that as soon as I'd finished writing the book I would take him out there <laughs> I knew he yeah. was safe it wasn't that he was it was just that he felt that out of his comfort zone. Yeah. He felt that separation very, very profoundly. But I knew that I trusted he was in a safe caregiving mm. environment and that he was fine. Mm. It's just that he wasn't very happy yeah. about it. And I knew I had to get the book done. And this was actually, if I took him out, I just simply, there's just no way without mm. my life crumbling around me. So I made that decision for a finite period of time. And then as soon as I sent the book in, I actually, I'd moved him to a different little preschool three mornings a week and he was really happy and it was a really I just felt like actually there was managing the guilt Mm -hmm. like that I knew that he wasn't happy but I also knew that he was safe and it was so you put that guilt in perspective basically yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. and I think that's what often we don't do we don't actually really address it head on that's the thing we just kind of let it whir around on some kind of background track (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly and like just noticing actually you can zoom in on it a bit more consciously and therefore lessen its power is really important and I think it's something that we don't give ourselves space mm-hmm. to do as mums generally that's in the book that's generally all the activities around guilt are, are based around just organizing your response to your life in a much more you know a lot much more kind of okay let's have a look and see what actually is happening and is my guilt justified mm. and if not then yeah, see you later you absolutely. know so oh, yeah. I could just, I feel like I could just talk to you for hours because you've got so much, so much gold in, in what you're saying that I think that so many of the listeners are going to really resonate with. But before we wrap up today, Anya, I'd love if you could tell me about your Mama Mind Body program that you're launching. The Mama Mind Body, um, I'm really excited about because it is marrying together the healing properties of Pilates for you know, all the postnatal issues that we just don't talk about enough, the pelvic floor and the diastasis recti, mm. which is your abdominal muscle mm-hmm. separating. So, and I think uh, on top of that, just the general depletion of pregnancy um, on your body, we're simply not prepared for when we're new mums. It's, it's kind of a bit of a shock. I think we think as soon as your baby's out, you're going to be back to normal yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of like actually what is normal and hang on a minute I don't mm. feel normal and I don't feel like I look normal all of these things the word normal is just sort of can be quite damaging mm. in the new mum so then the mum and mind body is not necessarily just for new mums it can be it's, it's absolutely a program for all mums certainly if you look to the longer the wider lens of pregnancy and, and childbirth we tend to be pregnant sort of you know a couple of times in a three-year period Mm. four-year period and the postnatal depletion lasts for potentially years so it's something that we need to start addressing Mm. at any stage you know you are postnatal forever as far as I'm concerned it's not a six-week period so we look to the physicality that tuning into breathing techniques which is really really important for getting the dialogue between your diaphragm and your pelvic floor working again in that space that your baby has left and then the breathing also lends itself to your nervous mm. system healing and your mental and emotional well-being. So we then, I, there's a sort of physical program which works alongside mindfulness-based uh, cognitive therapy ideas, but also mindfulness-based 
ideas of self-compassion mm. so looking to being your own best friend yes. a little bit and nurturing that kind of sense of what would I tell my best friend if she was if she came to me saying that she wasn't mm. good enough you'd be like oh my god you're yeah. amazing you know and it's trying to tap into that I am amazing mm. you know um, because you know as much as we're scared of being arrogant I think we all need a little bit of arrogance yeah. a little dose do with a bit more yeah <laughs> Yeah, so um, the Mama Mind Body is a, a sort of, I do it as a four-week program as a one-to-one. And it's, you know, and I give tools for, as we've been talking about, kind of you need to be able to build it into your yeah. day-to-day. And then sooner or later, you won't even notice that, you've, that you're have that you doing all the tools that, that we're offering. You know, the, it's the, the mindfulness stuff, which suddenly become, just makes life just like, oh, I didn't realise that how I was living under such a kind of grey cloud. Mm. And it's just trying to lift that grey cloud a little bit and get mums to be, again, just able to see how much they're offering. I think we don't ever look at how much we're doing. Mm. We're always looking at how much yes. we're not or we feel we're yeah, not Yeah, we're looking doing. at the wrong list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to look at that kind of I'm amazing list. I love list. that. So what, um, where can yeah. people go to find out more about that? So that the details of that are on my website, which is wellnesstoolkit.co. Perfect. I will link that in the show notes as well. And more information all about you and your books. So I just want to thank you so much, Anya, for coming on the show, for sharing a bit about your story, for sharing all those amazing tips and advice. And um, it's been so nice getting to know you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. And there we have it, Limitless Mothers. I hope you enjoyed hearing from today's guest as much as I enjoyed our conversation. To find out more about Anya and the topics we discussed on today's show, head over to the show notes, which you can find inside your podcast player or over at corriejavid.com forward slash podcast forward slash Anya. If listening to today's show has got you thinking about seeking out that support and not trying to struggle on alone, then why not come and hang out with me and the other Limitless Mothers inside my free Facebook group. Now, I'm obviously biased, but I think you're going to love being part of this kick-ass group of mothers who are all striving for success on their terms. It's a high-vibe group of women supporting women, so who knows? You could well connect with your new business bestie in there. So head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Limitless Mothers and tell us your favorite way to spend some of that precious me time. I look forward to seeing you in there. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you so much. If you've enjoyed listening to today's show, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher so you don't miss out on any episodes. It would make my day, possibly even my week, if you could spare a minute and leave a review over on iTunes. And because I value your time so much, each month, one lucky reviewer will win a free success coaching call with yours truly. So if you'd love for us to pinpoint and then work through that one thing that's currently standing between where you are now and where you want to be, then definitely leave a review for your chance to win. Until next time, remember, you are limitless.